Another great blessing is this year's focus as we are seeking to have 2020 vision to see what God can do. We know that God can transform lives and he's called those of us who believe to impact our homes, our neighbors and every generation with the hope of Jesus. And in that we are looking at different things that we need to see. And one of the things that, that we need to see and that we're talking about is, is to see how homes are made healthy. And today what we wanna do, we wanna look at some particular milestones, some important moments that we are to experience as disciples of Jesus and that we're to lead our children to and through. It's so important that we understand as parents and also as a church that, that the, the way our children perceive reality, it comes so much from not only what we say, but how we say it. We, we need our children to understand that they matter to God, that they've been made in the image of God. That's what creation communicates. We also have to help them understand the world is not as it should be. It's not the way God designed it because of sin. There's now a curse, there's brokenness and there's pain. But the good news is that Jesus has come to rescue us and that, that God loved them so much that he sent his own son to die for, for them. Personally, he loves us that much and that one day he's gonna restore all things. And it's so important that we help our children and that we ourselves understand we're going to exist 500 years from now. You're going to be somewhere 500 billion years from now. And what you choose to do with your life and who it is you give your allegiance to will determine everything, not only about your life, but your eternity. And we need to communicate this to our children. We need to help them to understand how important their lives are, how it is God has come to rescue us from sin, to provide us this new life. And it's going to happen not just by coming to church as important as this is, by, by being in groups and having uh, these off, off, you know, just awesome opportunities to serve and to go and to be a part of what God's doing in the world as a church. It's going to happen predominantly through your day-to-day -day conversations at home. Mom and dad, you have so much authority. Grandparents, you have so much authority. They're looking to you. It's so important that, that we have key conversations about Christ, about his word, and this is just a normal part of our life. That's what Deuteronomy 6 is pointing to. Deuteronomy 6, uh, beginning in verse 6, says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit at your, in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and, and when, you, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless before your eyes. You shall write them on your doorposts of your house and, and on your gates. We are to permeate our lives and our homes with the gospel with the goodness of God, with the truth of his word. These needs to be normal conversations that we have when we're walking down the street, when we're driving on our way to school, when we're, we're hanging out at meals. All these are opportunities for us to infuse in our child's minds the truth of the gospel. And, and as we are doing that, as we're going about that business, we need to be mindful of very important milestones, crucial moments that we are to experience and that we are to lead our children through. This happens through the leadership of mom and dad, and it is helped by the church. And it's so important that we have this partnership together, individual families and the church family as a whole to celebrate these crucial milestones. So today we're gonna to look at an Old Testament text that helps us understand the way milestones were communicated by God 
who, who it is these Old Testament milestones point to and now how we, because Jesus Christ has come, how we experience the milestones that he provides in his word and what a great celebration they are. So first, let's think about the Old Testament ones by, strangely enough, looking in the New Testament. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, we're going to be in verse 36. Peyton's going to come read for us, so let's all stand together in honor of God's word as she does that. Again, Acts chapter 7 and verse 36. Peyton, go ahead and read that for us. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt, and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. Well done, Peyton. You've done great all morning long. Good job. Okay, so Acts 7 is a sermon preached by Peter to educated Jewish people. What, what Stephen was talking to, look at that sermon real quick. Just kind of glance at it. Just kind of see what's going on here. Uh, Stephen is filled with the Holy Spirit and he's, he's telling people stuff they already know. He's, he's telling them the Old Testament story. But here in verse 36, what he's doing, he's pointing to some particular milestones, some moments that, that have particular meaning of things that, that they would look back to and, and even they would do things to, to remember these, these events because they were so crucial to understanding how God has been at work in the world. Now, four things I want you to see. First of all, notice where it begins in verse 36. This man led them out. This man, this man was Moses. This man was the chosen savior that God raised up, prepared him to go and be the savior of these people. Now what, notice what this man did. This man led them out performing wonders and signs in Egypt. So this man was given the power to perform miracles that would reveal and, and manifest the greatness of the power of God so that they could know this is legit. This is, this, is, this is for real. This is just not some crazy dude who, who's claiming to come on behalf of God with some secret name for, for God and is telling us what, what it is we need to be doing and, and going to battle with Pharaoh. The, the ultimate sign was that, that last miracle when having placed the blood of the lamb over their, of the doorframes of their homes, judgment came upon all of Egypt and the firstborn were killed where there was not the blood of the lamb covering them so that the death passed over. That last Passover was the salvation that God brought to his people. And so having brought them a leader who led them out of bondage into freedom with salvation, the blood of the lamb, look what he did, performing wonders at the Red Sea. So there was this moment when the people of God were identified forevermore as his people as they entered into this new life. It was a, an amazing moment when, when, it, when it seemed as though, as though God had failed, but he hadn't. And, and, and instead of, of being destroyed, the people, look at this, they passed through water to identify as God's people in preparation for going into their new life. Think about what this story means. God raised up a man who performed miracles, who provided that blood sacrifice so the people could be saved and then led them to pass through water in preparation for entering into their new life. And then look at the last thing that happened. In the wilderness, they were in the wilderness for 40 years and there God taught them to obey. Think about what this is pointing to. What Stephen was trying to say is what you've understood in the Old Testament 
All of this is pointing to Jesus Christ. He is the man. He is the one who has done the ultimate miracles. He is the one who, who is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who was killed but raised. He is the one that now we are to identify with through baptism. He is the one who is now teaching to observe all things that he's commanded so that we can walk in his ways. This is our Savior. And these milestones... These milestones that Jesus left us, we must experience them. We must provide them and, and, and to our children and lead them through them as well. Now, if you've not experienced these things today, let me tell you, you can. You can. You can experience what we're talking about today. And if you have experienced these things, understand you have the responsibility to share these with others so that these milestones can become a part of their lives. Mom and dad, there's nothing more important that you can do for your child than, than to provide these milestones for them, to lead them to them and through them that they would experience the power and greatness of God. So let's now leave Acts chapter seven, verse 36, and let's go to the last words of Jesus Christ. That, that Acts 36 was pointing to Jesus. So let's go and look at the very last thing that Jesus said to his people in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Understanding that he is the man. He is the one who's performed the miracles. He is now dictating the, the, the milestones that we are to, to participate in and be markers in our life. And understand, these are the things that make a healthy home. This is, this is how... You can have a healthy home. And remember, the more healthy homes we have in our society, the healthier our society is. So it's crucial that we not only take these on for our, our personal benefit, but for the benefit of our city and nation and world. So, so where does it come from, healthy homes? Understand what they're filled with. Five things I would point to you today and challenge you with. First is this. Healthy homes are filled with people who experience the leadership of Jesus Christ. Jesus said... All authority in heaven on earth has, has been given to me. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Now, right now, he's at work through his people, the church bringing restoration. Right now, the world is broken and he is calling us to, to bring healing to it. Although his, his, his reign is not visibly seen through him now, it's felt. And it's felt through the hands and the love and the words of his people. That is his church. And this is the plan and purpose and will of God. Ephesians chapter three, beginning in verse nine. And to bring light for everyone, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God? Stephen was trying to explain the mystery to these Jews in that sermon. He was trying to explain that Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of everything that the Old Testament and the prophets were teaching. We now know this mystery. We can know this mystery. The mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And so it's through the church that the world, the powers of the world, naturally, the powers of the world, supernaturally, can know that Jesus Christ is Lord. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus is God's eternal plan. Before the foundation of the world, he was chosen to come to be our rescuer. He is the leader who did the miracles, who was the Lamb of God, who took away the sins of the world that we now identify with in baptism. He is the one that we follow. He is the ultimate leader in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. The home that has Jesus leading it is a blessed home. 
The life that knows Christ as Lord and Savior is a blessed life. It is a life that knows the will of God, who knows the way of God, and gladly bows to the authority of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is to happen now and that will happen when Jesus returns. Every knee will bow. Some gladly, some forced. Those who yield gladly will enter into his eternal rest, having trusted in Jesus Christ. Those who do not now know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and die as enemies to God, they will, they will, they will kneel, then they will be removed because there is coming a new day. I love Revelation 21's explanation and, and, and revelation, if you will, of it. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is what Jesus Christ is going to cause. He is the ultimate power. He is the ultimate leader. And when he is ruling your life, he is guiding you toward this reality, to this promised land, if you will. He is the one who has come to set us free. And he calls us not only to believe, but to help others. But please know, you have one life. And at the end of this life, you will be judged. Now is the day to be saved. If you die in your sin, separated from God, you will remain in that condition forever. Today, right now, listen to what 2 Corinthians 6 says. Couldn't be any more clear. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Friend, if you will, if you want, you can right there in your seat right now. You can tell God, God, I've sinned. I know that Jesus died to pay the penalty for that sin. Jesus, forgive me. I know you're alive. Live in me. Guide my life. I want to live for you forever. Repent and believe the gospel that God has come, that he has died for your sins, that he has been raised, so you can now pursue and recover God's design. Come under the leadership of Jesus Christ, the living Savior who has conquered sin and death and who will love you forever and lead you in the life that you were designed to live. This is what a blessed home is led by. It's by the Savior, the King, Jesus Christ. Second, healthy homes are filled with people who experience the transformation of, of Jesus Christ. We are to therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Now, to make disciples, we have to be disciples. And to be a disciple is to be someone who knows, loves, and obeys Jesus. Now, if you'll look at Matthew 28, 19 through 20, you'll readily and quickly understand this is not a request. It's a command. We are commanded to go and make disciples. 
And here's what I know about almost all the disciples of Jesus I know. They want to make disciples, but they're afraid. Many of you sitting here right now are afraid to have conversations with family members and friends because you're afraid of what might happen to that relationship. What you don't wanna do is to be a person who comes off as condemning other people. You don't wanna come off as judgmental. You don't wanna come off as the religious expert in the room so that everybody fires their religious questions at you and, and puts you in this very, very impossible place. I also understand that you're terrified to say something wrong. I get that. I feel that way every Sunday morning. I get that. You know, you're, you're speaking on behalf of God and it's a, it's a scary thing. That's why many of you have contacted me over the years and said, can you talk to my friend? Can you talk to my family member? Can you tell them about Jesus? I'm so afraid that I'm going to say something wrong. I, I realize those fears. I understand them. I have them. And for the last few years, we as, as a staff and elders, we've been praying through how can we help our people make disciples so they don't have to worry about being the, the expert. So they don't have to worry about talking about Jesus and then alienating family and friends. How can they just have a simple conversation about what the Bible says and then everyone make their decision about where they stand and then still love one another no matter what is believed? We believe we found something that does that. And we've created a very simple resource called Three Big Things. I've been using this for, I guess, three or four years now. And we've begun to train, we've begun to teach, we've begun to, to help a lot of, of people to do this. I, I notice you're looking in your bulletins for it. Did you find it in there? No, you didn't. And here's why. This is something that requires a one-on-one -on -one conversation. I've tried teaching it as a large course and there's been some success, but you know, this is a conversation that needs to happen amongst friends. So would you like to know the one way you can get this? You have to have a conversation with someone who's been trained in it. At this point, we have trained staff, elders, deacons and a handful of leaders. Now you can get this, you can get it tonight maybe, maybe. You can maybe get it tomorrow. Between the eight and 9.30 services, my schedule has begun to really fill up this week, which is very exciting. Now, let me tell you, you've gotta be a R-A-F-T, raft kind of person to, to be able to do this. You've gotta be reproducing, you've gotta be available, you got to be faithful and you got to be teachable, reproducible. You've got to be able to share this with other people, your children, your friends, other church members, so you can train them. And then the people that you know that do not know the Lord that you can have this conversation with. Now to do this, here's the, what I'm finding is the real hard part. You got to be available. Most of you are way too busy for this. You can't carve out a few hours to be trained in this. You don't have the time to spend with, with non-believers. You gotta be faithful. Most of you are very faithful and you gotta be teachable. Most of you are teachable. But here's the real challenge is you've got to be willing to do it and you've gotta be available to do it. So here's the deal. If you wanna do this, look on the back of your bulletin at the bottom of the page. Back of your bulletin at the bottom of the page, there's an email there. It's info at lhbg.org. If you'll email that spot and say, I want to be trained in three big things, you will be contacted and you will be trained. 
If you want to talk to me today, our elders will be over here. If you want to talk to a staff person, if you want to talk to a deacon, to an elder, they're available to begin training you right now. Church, let me make this very clear. We're putting this on you. For years, we've provided classes. Y'all come. We've begged you to come. If you don't want to do this, it's okay. Continue on as you are. Continue on in your way and continue to be faithful as much as you can. If you want to be a reproducing disciple maker in a very simple way, this is the way to do it. And, and beyond that, there's three big things, three conversations. And then there's this great resource. It's called the Disciples Life. It's conversations that you have with new believers so that they get grounded and rooted in the faith. I so wish someone would have done this for me. I so wish someone would have sat down with me and had conversations about what is the Bible? How do you study it? How do you pray? Why do I need to go to worship? Why do I need to continue to grow? Why do I need to have these conversations? Why do I need the church and other people? These are great resources. Guess how you get this? Same person that's gonna train you in three big things. So friends, making disciples, it can be challenging. It can be terrifying. That's why we wanna help. Again, there's no magic bullet. It's a matter of being reproducible, available, faithful, and teachable. And this is what happens in healthy families. There are leaders who will say, I'm willing to make the time. I'm willing to, to be able to learn how to do this. I'm willing to pass this on to my children so that they can pass it on to, to other generations and to others who might believe. Now, having believed and chosen to make disciples, the next step is simple. Healthy homes are filled with people who experience the identification of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, look, I'm the leader. I'm the one that was promised. Go make disciples. You got to be a disciple to make a disciple. And then once, you've then once you've made a disciple, you have to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is an act of faith obedience. Baptism does not make you a Christian. I wear this wedding ring because I'm married. This wedding band does not make me married. It announces that I'm married. Anybody can buy a wedding band and put it on their finger. It takes a man and woman and a lifelong commitment, a covenant to enter into marriage. And this is a symbol of that lifelong covenant. So baptism is to the, the, to the saved life. You've entered into an eternal covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ with the Father. And that covenant is celebrated through baptism. Now, who should be baptized? Everyone who believes. It is to be a believer's baptism. Acts chapter 8, verse 12 says this. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. When you believe, you are to be baptized. Again, baptism doesn't save you. It proclaims what God has already done. Let me make this very clear to you. There is a message in the method. This morning, we've had several baptisms via video and live. And in every case, the person being baptized was, was asked, do you trust in Jesus Christ for salvation? And they said, yes. We asked them, are you gonna walk in obedience to Jesus the rest of your life? And they said, yes. And then we quoted a portion of this scripture. This is Romans chapter six, verses three and four. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. 
in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Once a person has, has answered in the affirmative that they're trusting in Christ and are going to walk with him all the days of their life, we then say, now, we then say well, you're now baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are now buried with Christ in baptism. Your old life is over. It's dead. We're burying you because that old life is over. Fully underwater, every part has been washed and they are then raised to walk in new life in him. There is a message in the method. God's word is very clear on this. We are to be immersed. It is a very simple act. It's substantive and it tells others what God has done. And it provides us the opportunity to experience what has already happened to us. Many of you have believed in Jesus Christ and you've never been baptized. Now you may have been sprinkled. You, you may have had something happen to you when you were a baby. What we're talking about, what the Bible is talking about is believer's baptism. Your parents, were, they were not doing anything bad. It was just a misunderstanding of the covenant. The covenant of grace is celebrated through believer's baptism. If you would like to be baptized, if you will look on the back of your bulletin at the bottom, there's an email. It's info at lhbg.org. Just put on there, I want to be baptized. And we will sit down with you. And guess what we will do? We will go through three big things. We will make sure that you believe so that you can be baptized and so that you begin walking this disciple's life. It may very well be that you were saved at a younger age, at several times, many days in the past, you still need to be baptized. Look, it took me a year to figure out what the hot tub was doing in the worship area. It's so that we can make public profession of our saving faith. If you've never done that, you need to do that. Healthy homes are filled with people who experience the identification of Jesus Christ. Also, having believed and been baptized, we gotta grow. Healthy homes are filled with people who experience the education of Jesus Christ. Go and make disciples of all nations. Then baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. We are to grow the way Jesus grew. Mom and dad, please make sure that you are thinking through your child's development as it, as it is compared to Jesus Christ. Please don't raise your child in comparison to other children in North America. Don't, don't put the bar that low. Set the bar as compared to Jesus Christ. How did Jesus grow and develop? Luke 2.52, all right? Luke 2.52 is the model. Luke 2.52, that's, that's what you're aiming for. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. He grew in wisdom. He knew, you know, you need to teach your child. Don't go run in front of cars, right? Don't, don't, don't pet barking mean dogs and never get a cat. Basic wisdom points. I say this as a man with a cat. I'm a hypocrite. What can I say? But it's just basic wisdom. Think, how, do you, how do you save money? How do you spend money? How do you, how do you get along with a wisdom? Wisdom and in stature, physically, your children should grow. Feed them. But then teach them to grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with God by grace through faith in Christ alone. And man, with other people as we love them with the love of Jesus. 
This is what we are teaching our children. This is how Jesus grew. And mom and dad, we, we have to point to specific kind of celebration points that will help them understand their growth, that they can celebrate it. And we can celebrate them in their growth. These, the Bible, and we, we sing a song about this, this word. And we're like, what does that mean? It's, it's an Ebenezer. An Ebenezer, First Samuel 7, 12 um, says this. Then Samuel took a stone set it up between Mizpah and Shin and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now the Lord has helped us. Ebenezer, it's a, it's a, it's a rock of remembrance. It's a, it's a point uh, where, you, where you experience something and you go back to it and say, remember that, remember that, remember that. That's an important thing. We don't forget that. Take a picture of that. Get a selfie while you're at it. It's as important. Hold on to that. Save that on the cloud. You need to be able to go back to it. These are milestones. So we as a congregation have certain milestones we want all of our families to experience. The first one is family dedication. When, you, when a child comes into your life through, through the birth or through the adoption process, in the spring or the fall, you need to come and stand before the congregation and say, as mom and dad, we promise to raise this child as best we can to know Jesus Christ. And we as a congregation are gonna say, say back to you, we agree, we're gonna pray towards that end and we're gonna help you. It all begins family discipleship, making discipleship, it begins by committing yourself to the Lord to do the work. When a child believes they need to be baptized, there needs to be a baptism experience. Uh, again, uh, soon after a child is saved, the child needs to be baptized. I know that there's this, there's this thing now, it's like, well, we just wanna make sure they produce fruit. You know, we just wanna make sure that they've got it, you know, they can really get, I appreciate that, but I also appreciate what scripture commands. Believe and be baptized. In Acts chapter eight, when the, when the Ethiopian eunuch was saved, there was immediate understanding that that was the first step of obedience. Children who believe, if they've really believed, they need to be baptized. Every believer needs to be baptized. It needs to be a point of celebration, a milestone. New in the pew, we want everyone, uh, every child, kindergarten and older, gathering for worship. It's fine if they come before then, but we want all children to be in here learning to worship with our church family. Covenant membership. This is for every child at the age of 16. Some of you who are here who've been at Living Hope since you were little, you're not members of our church. You're not a covenant member because you've never gone through the membership process. At age 16, mom and dad, make sure your child gets signed up and goes through the membership class. Boys and girls, understand what we're doing here. We're preparing you for two years before you hit 18 to go in the military or go to college or go into the workforce as adults to be active members of a church. We want two years to teach you what it means to vote for things in the congregation, to pray as a member who's responsible for the health and heart of the congregation. We want two years to train you into being adult Christians so that if you leave, when you leave, you go ready to serve God where whatever church he calls you to be a part of. And if you do leave this city, if you do leave this church, you need to quickly join a new congregation. You, and by the way, this church isn't perfect. No church out there is gonna be perfect, all right? And so just go find a Bible teaching church and serve. Uh, graduation happens in the spring. And then there's all these others, devotion, life, purity, biblical manhood and womanhood, all these conversations. Here's what I know. Many of you parents, many of you adults, 
No one taught you how to, do, to, to have these conversations and do this. And most of you had a drug problem. You were drugged to church and they just figured you'd figure it out on your own, right? We can't do this with our children today. It's too complicated. So look in your bulletin. There is something in there this time. In your bulletin, there's a single page that talks about family discipleship. We will train you to do it. How do you talk to your child about purity? It's not that hard. We'll show you. How do you talk to a child about baptism, about whether or not they've really repented to believe the gospel? How do you do that? We'll train you. We're training now. So you've missed the last couple of weeks maybe. Look what we're offering next week and the following week. This is for parents, grandparents, anyone who wants to influence the next generation. This is a great way for you to do that. Again, we understand this is new for some of you. You know, you just showed up to church and you, and you hope that they figured it out. It's not enough. This world is way too complicated. We've got to be much more intentional. And that's what this is doing. It's teaching our children and it's being a church where we educate them in Jesus Christ to equip them to do the work of the ministry. Last thing, healthy homes are filled with people who experience the presence of Jesus Christ. I love this last verse in verse 20. I love the last phrase there. Look at that promise. Let that just soak in for just a minute. Taste that. Look what Jesus said. I am with you always to the very end of the age. He's with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. In the Old Testament, as God was leading the people out under Moses' leadership, he was with them. Exodus chapter 13 says this, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. They might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Jesus Christ has come and he's defeated sin and death. Sin on the cross, death with the resurrection. He's a living savior. He has sent the Holy Spirit of God to live in us and to guide us according to his inspired word that he inspired, the Holy Spirit inspired. He will never leave us. He is often felt through the hands of his church. He's often seen through the expression and the teaching of the word. God is at work. I wonder, do you know him? Have you been born again? The things I'm talking about, you can't get by showing up at church. You have to repent and believe to be saved. If you need to do that, do it now. Now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, are you a disciple maker? Are you willing to make yourself available to reproduce, to be faithful and teachable? Ask God to help you. Ask God to enable you to carve out the time Ask God to give you the courage. Some of you are struggling with health issues. Some of you are struggling with emotional challenges and pain. And there's all kinds of things that could keep you from focusing in on what Jesus has called you to do and be. Ask him to help you. I talked to one of our senior adults at the end of the last service. He was talking about three people he, he has seen healed who needed a touch from God and the power of prayer. Friends, we have just a moment. Come and pray. Pray for this awakening. It's there in your bulletin. That's what I'll be praying for. Praying for God to do miracles in our city and the world. 
Let's stand together. Father, we have just a moment, and there are some who need to believe, some who need to, to ask you for help, some who need to, um, to ask you to intervene in our city and world. That's what I'm asking for. I'm asking for a miracle. We're all asking for miracles, God. We believe what is impossible with man is possible with you, God. And so we humble ourselves, we get on our knees, and we ask you to do it. We trust you to do it. We know you're good. And we know that you're unstoppable. So we ask you to hear us. Come and pray as we sing together.